The Start On Demand. On demand. Good morning. It's The Start. Greg Mackling, Loren McNabb with you. Brett McGarry returns next Monday. Good morning, McNabb. Good morning. How are you today? Tuesday okay. morning. You're I okay? I can't get over how bright it is in the morning now and what a game changer that is for me. No. Like it's just like it sounds silly to say, of course, it's easier to get up when the sun is shining. But it's to the point now where I'll get up and think I'm late. You know, like, oh, no, I've missed two hours of the show. It's happened quite often because the sun is just so bright now, you know, at 3.34 at a.m. in the sense of it's not pitch black, right? You can see the sun coming up. And, oh, this morning, there's been a few times in the last few weeks where I've raced downstairs to double check the clock thinking, oh, my gosh. It's 7 a.m. and I'm sleeping. Yeah, well, uh, no no chance of sleeping in this morning. So I'm, I'm glad you're here. I forgot to water my plant. Well, I didn't forget. I just didn't have time to water my flowers this morning. So I will have to do that later on this afternoon. But um, as you know, over my break from radio over the last week, I built a patio in my backyard. Well, there's an exciting patio coming to Portage in Maine. It looks really cool too. So yesterday on Twitter, High's Steakhouse posted a photo of what will soon be its patio. It's it's a first for that location. And it's right out on the northeast corner. Of course, that's where the restaurant is, but the patio is going to be out in front what looks like the Richardson building. And so I had reached out to Highs just to say, hey, I'm just curious, like, were you always planning this patio or has COVID been part of the situation? Because as we all know, patios are a way for people to potentially meet under current restrictions. And, and is that part of their thinking? And and they said, no, we've always had a plan to have a patio, but the timing, you know, thankfully the timing works. And so we're working to get them on just for a few more questions about that because it's kind of a cool space to finally have you know, you walk down to that corner, Greg, and you're there this morning. Like it's, it's basically all cement at those four corners and very few people. So the possibility of bringing patios to that corner, I think is a really cool idea, particularly now as we head into summer. And we hope that, you know, maybe in the weeks ahead, we might hear more on restaurants, slow reopening and at the very least, potentially patios. Well, the Richardsons don't need us pumping their tires, but they've done an incredible job of redeveloping that courtyard in between the Fairmont and the Richardson building and also all around the Richardson building. They've replaced all the concrete. They've got an incredible uh, collection of art down there. It's a wonderful space. And yes, the only thing missing now are some people. So hopefully that will will change sooner than later. And that, that that is the Fairmont, right? Because that hotel when I was a kid was called the Winnipeg Inn and it's gone through a number of iterations, including the West and it's the Fairmont. Is that correct? Yeah, it's in that space in between the Richardson and the Fairmont when you're talking about the courtyard, correct? You're talking about the courtyard yeah, right now? Yeah, so we've got yeah. that incredible sculpture of, I think it's a reindeer or 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 elk or something that seemed to come out of the ground and up. Absolutely a wonderful spot. If you've, if you've been looking for a place to wander around and explore Winnipeg, if you want to be a tourist in your own town, check out Portage and Maine and the courtyard and the areas uh, around the the southeast and west sides of the Richardson building. Very, very cool. Now, a couple different business stories we're looking at uh, today, including rapid testing. And that would be more about uh, the present and COVID testing and, and a way that it might allow businesses to operate closer to normal. What have you got? 
Well, here's the thing. You, yes, we're moving forward with vaccines. You know, we're, we've we've hit our targets. We've moved past our targets. We're going to hear more tomorrow about a possible reopening. But we all know we're still weeks, if not months, away from kind of that return to normal. And we've also heard repeatedly that COVID is here to stay for some time. And that's impacting a lot of people. You know, uh, kids, for example, when they get sent home to school and they might have to go to a test, but that could be two or three days potentially before they get the results. Business uh, employees, workers, uh, staff, you can't come into work. You have to go to those provincial lineups to get tests. They've made all sorts of improvements there. Don't get me wrong. You know, the, in the beginning, there were some people waiting four days for results. Now, you know, it might be 24 to 48 hours, but that's still a day or two of missed work, maybe missed school. And so we know the province rolled out some of those rapid tests for businesses earlier this year. Shoppers this week then announced that, you know, you can go there as a small or medium business to pick up rapid tests that can bring you results within 15 to 20 minutes. And so they're getting into the game. And the Canadian Federation of Independent Businesses says they need more of this. They need to see more of this because this is this is not just the present, Greg. This is potentially the future for months, if not a year or two to come. And they can't have staff missing any more time than they already have. And so what is the future hold for the possibility of getting that test done quickly? Hey, perhaps even there's a day where you would walk to work. And I know this happens at some different businesses, even construction sites in this province and country where you go to work and several times a week, someone's giving you a test just to make sure everything's A-OK. And so that makes a huge difference to the bottom line, but also to the health of your staff and your mental well-being. I've waited for a COVID test before. I know you have. I believe you have. Sorry, yes, Greg. I'm, no, yeah, absolutely and, I have. You and bet. it's a wait. You know, it's, yes, like I can work from home and I can stay here, but then you're you're kind of feeling stressed for several days. And so just to speed that up and not have to miss out on anything is huge. Well, and when you look at what's going on in the United States and the inability or the struggle that many businesses are having in terms of hiring people back, last month, I think it was 4 million Americans quit their jobs because the economy is coming back with such a bang that they see other opportunities. And most of those people are leaving the service sector looking for sort of that next step, that next level of job. And so it's reasonable to imagine that Canadian businesses not only battling back from the pandemic, reopening and trying to gain traction with the public could also be facing similar challenges in terms of not only recruiting and securing and maintaining staffing levels, but also facing, you know, a continued uh, resurgence or a continued presence of COVID-19 and how do we make sure that their employees are safe. And then also this morning, we want to talk about a major residential development at Polo Park. It appears to have cleared another hurdle. So we'll talk about the future of retail and all the different things that go along with that. We want to invite your text messages on patios, your favorite patio. If there isn't a patio somewhere that you wish there was, where would you have a romantic meal? Anywhere in the world that you wish there was a patio. Tell us about that at 780-6868. Mackling, McNabb, Braun, Forche, and Poitras. It is the start on 680 CJB. Brett McGarry returns on Monday. And Loren, this morning we're talking about patios. Highs has announced, and I think this has been in the planning stages for some time. I was looking forward to this years ago when they moved to Portage and Maine to the Richardson Building, one of the most beautiful restaurants in Winnipeg. They're going to bring the dining outside. So we're talking about your favorite patios. Whether there's a patio there or not, we want to open it up a little bit and say, you know, if you could have a dinner anywhere on the planet, where would you like to go? 
And I think what is so crazy to me is that that corner, again, we've been talking about it forever. Why on earth is there not more development there? There's so many people when you bring down as, as family and friends or whatever, and you do the tour of Winnipeg and you might do the Forks, which has some great outdoor spaces for sure. And then you, I've often brought people to Port of Jemaine just because that's where I've worked and, and we'll walk to that corner and they're like, why isn't anything here? And so I think that about several places, like I think we could use more of our our uh, towers, our our buildings that have, you know, 20, 30, eventually 40 floors coming to Winnipeg. You know, what's the where's the room for a patio space there so you can have some views? And so there's lots of spaces in this city, let alone the rest of the world that I think, why am, why am I not outside having a glass of wine here? Well, let's talk about it. Jeff Braun, where's your favorite place to uh, dine outside? Uh, for me, it's not even, it's not actually a patio, although it is outside. There's a little park right next to the Living Prairie Museum on Ness. It's a very small park. It's got a little playground and two picnic tables. And it's sort of the place where uh, my girlfriend and I and the family go for um, when we have like outdoor picnic reasons, birthdays or whatever. And we've had more of those in the last couple of years than usual just because, you know, we've been trying to gather outside more. So I've been there quite a few times and I was there just last week with a couple of the kids just for lunch. And it's a, a really nice little lovely spot kind of tucked away in a corner there and it's uh it's very peaceful and common i mean there's only two tables so you you couldn't have a lot of people there if you wanted to so it's it's my go-to place for eating outside i love the creativity many people already texting us at 780-6868 saying it's their backyard cameron poitras where do you like to eat outside well uh, just on the portage and main thing i know why that it, it's not developed I think we, everybody knows why. I mean, going to say but, it? No, I'm not going to say it, but everybody knows because it's the most contentious issue. Yes, it's parking. You're right, Braun. It is parking. Um, uh, well, I, you know what? Uh, I wish there was like a really like just fantastic like patio-based place on Henderson Highway. Boston Pizza's great. I love Jeffrey's, but it's, it's not really like a patio place. Um, and some of the other places are j- just what they are and th- they're not trying to be patio places. But I, I wish that there was just like a really great place close to my closer to my house and where I'm where I live that was like I wouldn't have to go to like I don't know Academy or Corden or uh, you know somewhere like that to, to, to get on a like a really nice patio experience so you're lamenting the lack of options is what you're yes, doing this morning. yeah the Henderson, yeah. Henderson strip doesn't have enough <laughs> patios okay fair enough doesn't yeah. that uh, doesn't that cool funky McDonald's over there have a, a table oh, outside yeah, oh yeah you're right there's a nice picnic table there Bron I never yeah, thought of that yeah Wellens Lane and Henderson Highway. Yeah, you could pound back Diet Cokes there, like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> Actually, don't they have they have an outdoor fireplace or something like that? Don't they? I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. I think they do. Oh, it's getting better and better. There actually. we go. Uh, 4J things are looking up on Henderson Hi- Highway. Where'd you like to be? Well, actually, I was thinking about the same thing that Cam was just saying. But I'd like to see a patio that was well on Henderson Highway, but. You know, I'd like to see more patios along the rivers. Mm-hmm. Like we're Winnipeg, yeah. where we have rivers running through us. Might as well take advantage of those because I don't find that we take advantage of uh, of the rivers. And I think it'd be awesome to just have a have a, even a bite to eat while the sun is going down on the river. It, I think that would be beautiful. And I don't I don't know why that why we don't use those rivers more often. Well done, well said, Jeff Forte, Loren. It sounds like the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago about uh, you know redeveloping the rivers is having an effect on Forche. What about you? Sure, but you can. There are several restaurants that, that have patios along the river, and when you step out into them, you really feel like you're in an oasis. One of our listeners texted about 529, 
has a great patio mm-hmm. uh, right on the Assiniboine River. Uh, Chibo is it Chibo on you know with the at the oh, hotel very there? Very nice, yeah, very nice. And that's a great patio that's all that's on the red. If you go to the Promenade Cafe uh, in Saint Boniface, man, that's got one of the best views maybe in the city where you sit and you look at the the L'Esplanade Riel, and you can see the Human Rights Museum and the downtown skyline as it develops and, and grows. So there's lots of places to go. I, I still feel feel like for sure there's more room to improve that just because, as we said, like the rivers, everyone likes to look at water. And I've always wondered why there's not something like I know it's the I'm not advocating for the government to go into the patio business, but that the lawns <laughs> behind the legislature, as you look down on the river there oh, yeah. and you've got the Riel statue and all the rest, I've always just like stood there and been... If I had like, you know, a, a drink and a table and a checkered cloth there and maybe some guy with a baguette, I'd be all in for this. So I feel like there's just all this beautiful space that we could do that we could do more with. Again, not putting the government in charge of that one. Well, I'm going to pull out a pun here and uh, put myself out there. I've actually floated the idea with a couple of different people uh, in the know in this city about actually building some barges that could float along the Assiniboine and the Red River that could act as different retail, act as different restaurants, and then they could move them out in the wintertime and then refloat them in the spring and the summer so that they uh, wouldn't get damaged and it would be just a unique way to actually you know, increase the space. You wouldn't have to clear out any of the trees along the riverbank. You could actually put the restaurants, put the cafes, put the, put the independent businesses on these little barges and invite people on that way. So, you know, you have to get innovative. In Chicago, they've been talking about a floating bike path on the Chicago River so that they don't have to allow bicycles where people are walking. So they're, they're thinking differently, and I think that's really what this is all about. Inferno Bistro, I want to give them a shout-out on uh, Des Murons, on Des Murons, as we say on Anglais. And it's a fantastic patio, sort of it's like an oasis. You mentioned that word, I think, Loren, in the middle of St. Boniface. They've got vines growing, and you would never know that there were other businesses all around it. And uh, you, can you beat the patio at Pony Corral, Pier 7, the old uh, grapes location back in the day. Absolutely a fantastic place to spend some time. So, you Someone know, there are some that- great options. The Royal Manitoba Yacht Club and Dockside Restaurant Bar off Maine. Yes, and yes, so North you don't Maine, even have that's to be a great member. spot. That's cl- more to your area, Cam. And Forte, no, head on up there yeah. eventually when you can. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah. Uh, this is the issue. I think this is one of the reasons why we're getting excited is that patio season to me, yeah. which should have sprung, of course, you know, weeks ago, is it's kind of like when Cam gets his summer feet ready. Cam, yeah. are your summer feet ready? Oh, right? they are po- fantastic. <laughs> I'm walking around in sandals. I haven't put on socks in months. <laughs> so his summer feet are ready, and then you're like, you can see a patio open, and you might not even care what they're serving. You're like, ooh, umbrella. I'll sit under that. And I think that's <laughs> that's how we all feel right now, right? Ooh, Just that umbrella. chance. Yeah. Ooh, twinkly lights. <laughs> twinkly lights and an umbrella. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Your favorite twinkly umbrella, or otherwise your favorite place to eat outside. We want to give you a gift pack from Manitoba Turkey Producers. Mackling, McNabb, Sons McGarry. Brett returns next Monday. Lorenz shifts gears and heads to the 10 to noon slot, typically occupied by Jeff 
Courier. This week it's Kathy Kennedy. So keep it all straight as we work in towards our summer holidays here on 680 CJOB. We're talking patios. We're getting some great texts about your favorite outdoor places to eat. 780-6868. And the question of the day, Loren, I just want to uh, get a mention of that in here. Question of the day brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca or give them a call, 204 6890 Our current question at cjob.com, if you're an adult scheduled for your second Pfizer shot, would you switch to Moderna so a 12 to 17-year-old can get the Pfizer shot? 58% of you saying, no, I would not, which hmm. means the rest of you saying, yes, you would. Get in on that. We're going to be switching up that question uh, in a little bit, but we want to give you one more opportunity to answer well, that question. We had a listener this morning just asking us if we've heard more on the Pfizer shipments because they're trying to book appointments for their teens for the weeks ahead and, and not able to just because we're waiting for some of those doses. But in the meantime, we have a massive lineup outside the shoppers at Osborne the uh, shoppers in Osborne Village as people line up again for a pop-up clinic there for some of those doses. And so there's ways to get it, but there, you know, it's some conflicting information in terms of if you're trying to get an appointment, will you be able to get one in the weeks ahead? And in the meantime, what else can you do? So stay tuned here. We're hoping to have more details on Pfizer supply later this week. Right? Do we want to start this hour in the same realm, COVID-19 testing. Manitobans now have another place to turn for rapid testing, McNabb. Yeah, it's been a big issue for employees and employers and maybe even students, as you can imagine, because when you go to those provincial test sites, you might have to wait at least 24 hours for results, sometimes much longer, two, three, and at the start of the pandemic, four days was the case sometimes. And so back in the spring, the province did launch its own antigen-based rapid test to support workplaces looking for quicker results. And so thousands of tests have gone out that way. And then this week, Shoppers Drug Mart expanded its program So if you're a small or medium business in this province, you can actually check in with them and pick up rapid tests to bring to your employers. And those are bringing results as quickly as 15 to 20 minutes time. We know, Greg, rapid testing is something the business community has been calling on for months. Jonathan Alward is the Prairie Director for the Canadian Federation of Independent Business and joins us on the start. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for taking the time. You know, I think there might be some people that think, well, we've got vaccines now. We're almost through this or we're going to get through this. Testing might not be a big part of the equation. How do you counter that point? What are your businesses telling you? Well, I I think it's great. There's a lot of reason to be optimistic right now, especially with Manitoba hitting their their first milestone target yesterday. Uh, Hopefully we can reopen as, as early as this weekend. But for a lot of businesses, this you know, has been an important tool in the toolbox to get businesses reopened faster or keep businesses reopened more uh, throughout the pandemic. And even uh, whether we surveyed back in March or a couple times since then, there's been a significant amount of support for Manitoba's, excuse me, Manitoba's small businesses for rapid testing. You know, over half of businesses were willing to use this in their workplaces if it would help them stay open. And hopefully going forward now that this is much more of a widespread or widely available program than the one that the province has been using, uh, this can maybe help businesses get open faster. You know, hopefully we can justify milestone one happening this weekend, milestone two happening soon after that, 
or help businesses maybe reopen more than the 25% even. Jonathan, businesses have obviously been going above and beyond to keep uh, not only uh, their customers safe, but their employees safe as well. Uh, This uh, part of the toolkit, how critical could it be in terms of, in particular, keeping employees safe? I think it's very important and, you know, not just as a way to, you know, give employees confidence coming back to the workplace, but also hopefully give uh, customers uh, a boost of confidence when going back in. Obviously, we know that consumer confidence, you know, in every corner of the of the province really has, has taken a significant hit since, you know, spring of 2020, really. And we've seen it kind of in waves. And what we've seen in other provinces that have started to reopen more, like Saskatchewan, the the revenues coming through the doors have continued to lag, even though businesses are are more open. So hopefully we can boost that consumer confidence. People can get back out and shop safely. But I do think this is an important tool. You know, at the end of the day, it's not as as uh, as accurate necessarily as a test that we're all more accustomed to. But if we can identify it earlier, people feel more safe going to work or shopping. I think this is a positive for the province going forward. What's been the cost, do we know, Jonathan, to businesses when it comes to employees phoning in and saying, yeah, I can't come in today, I'm waiting for my test results. And when those test results take 24, 48, sometimes 72 hours, that has to have a huge impact, particularly on small biz. Yeah, and there there is, of course, uh, protected leave for employees to be able to do that. And there is a, a federal program uh, for employees to do that. But now... Uh, we do have the the paid leave, uh, paid sick leave program in the province that would cover some things like that for employers. And although it's it's reimbursing some of those costs, it's certainly not all of them. And I think more than that, what I've heard from employers, the uh, the you know outstanding unknowns, right? You know, you need to be able to manage your business accordingly. And if you have a chunk of staff that have been scheduled in that uh, suddenly need to go out and test. That could be a huge problem, um, and, and that all carries costs with it, a lot of inconvenience, a lot of worries, certainly. But I think more than that, the employers I've talked to really care about the safety and well-being of their staff and their customers. So, you know, so many are just willing to do just about anything they can to to make sure everyone is as safe and as comfortable as possible. And, and that's been really my, my biggest takeaway from everything. This is another tool to help accomplish that end. Just about a minute here, Jonathan. How closely are you paying attention to what's going on in the United States right now as businesses are struggling to find employees, particularly in the service sector, as uh, employees are, are looking for other opportunities because the, the economy there has rebounded so rapidly and so uh, ferociously? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a growing concern. We're hearing it in really different parts of the country already, even, uh, even here in Canada. This is something that CFIB has studied for years with our, our job vacancy report and, and studies, and it was certainly a problem before the pandemic, even here in Manitoba. I'll be keeping a close eye, I think, first and foremost, of what's happening in Saskatchewan, B.C., and, and some Atlantic provinces that are more open right now. But I definitely expect this to become a problem in Manitoba, uh, in a lot of ways, though, it could be a good problem because it could be a sign that our economy is rolling again and businesses are hopefully getting back on their feet, but a problem nonetheless. All right, Jonathan, stay in touch, okay? We appreciate your uh, insight as always. Thank you.
It's time for Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca, a better place for you. We are 44 days away from kickoff of the 2021 CFL schedule. The season will begin with a 2019 Grey Cup rematch between the Hamilton Tiger Cats and Winnipeg Blue Bombers right here in Winnipeg, Lorraine. Lots of people wondering how many fans will be in the stands. We're still waiting to hear details on that because there's lots still up in the air when it comes to vaccines and all the rest. President and CEO of the Winnipeg Football Club is, of course, Wade Miller and our guest this morning. How you doing, Wade? I'm good. How are you guys this morning? We're good. We're excited. You know, when I hear that 44 days, that sort of feels like it's actually happening, that we're marching towards that. And I, I'm guessing for you, there's a number of things on your list to do over the next month and a half. Uh, maybe you have a scenario A through G that you need to work through to to plan for this. But can you give us an idea of what the list of preparations look like as we look towards that uh, August kickoff? Yeah, we're uh, working towards, uh, you know, maximizing the number of fans we can get into the building. And, you know, we'll have an announcement in the middle of July, hopefully when uh, we get some more direction from public health. Biggest thing we can all do right now is, uh, you know, keep stomping out this third wave and get vaccinated. And if you haven't get, gotten vaccinated yet, go down and get vaccinated. You can walk in now, I understand. And, if, you know, get your second shot as well. Um, and, you know, that's that's what we can all do right now. And we'll see where we end up with capacity. It's very positive, um, you know, from an outdoor venue uh, perspective to hear what Alberta and Saskatchewan are doing. And we look forward to uh, being able to announce that in a few weeks. Wade, I was uh, driving around on uh, Sunday, bumped into one of my buddies uh, cutting his grass. He's a loyal Blue Bombers fan. He's got the the lawn placard, uh, you know, proudly displayed in his garden, longtime season ticket holder. And so his first question to me was, and I hadn't seen him in weeks, he didn't even say hi to me. He goes, how are they going to decide who gets to go to the Bomber game? So I know that's on the, on the tongue and the tips of minds of, of Blue Bomber fans. How will you decide who gets in the building? Yeah, you know, our season ticket members are going to definitely be able to get in the building and we're going to figure that out. And, you know, we just need a few more weeks, uh, you know, to, like I said, mid-July and see what kind of capacity we can get to. And, uh, you know, I'm confident that we'll be able to make sure that everybody's taken care of, especially our season ticket members, premium uh, seat holders, suites and loges. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where we get to. You know, you see Saskatchewan's going to be wide open that first week at Mosaic Stadium and in Alberta, it's going to be a similar situation in both Calgary and Edmonton. So looking forward to uh, seeing where we can get to um, in that period of time. And when you get to the stadium this year, you know, with last week we just announced, uh, you know, in addition to Molson and Coors products, you'll now be able to get uh, local craft beer at the stadium from, uh, you know, TransCanada Brewery and Brazen Hall. So, we're excited to uh, be able to have local craft beer in our stadium now in five spots uh, throughout the stadium. Well, it's been such a growth in that sector, Wade, in terms of the, our local craft breweries and the expansion we've seen there. What was behind that decision to bring them on board? I know there's just been so much support from your organization and others for some some more local products. And so what went into those discussions to get them on board? Yeah, we we definitely wanted to uh, bring in some craft beer and, uh, you know, with uh, Molson Coors support, we were able to do that uh, to to bring in uh, local craft beers and and you know let everyone work work together well and uh, give our fans an option of what they wanted to uh, select from a beer perspective. Um, and then the next week or so, we'll uh, have another announcement of uh, 
some different food as well at the stadium, which is part of that whole game day experience. And, uh, and maybe we'll have some delivered to your, uh, you know, down down to your studios early in the morning for you. We never like to eat, Wade. You know that. Um, so you know, that is a, such an evolution at ballparks of all sorts, all sorts of sports and entertainment venues across North America, around the world. Is that is that entire experience right? You just yep. need to have uh, options that to, to satisf- satisfy a lot of people. People are prepared to pay good money for for quality product. No, for sure, and that's something we have always focused on is that fan experience and. That won't uh, change. It may look a little different for this year, but we'll do that. Not everyone wants the, you know, the Walby burger. Uh, so, you know, we need to come up with uh, some other uh, innovative and uh, creative things for people to have uh, on game days. Well, we're excited about... Oh, go ahead, Loren. I just wanted to ask, before we let you go, Wade, I know there's so many unknowns, but Greg mentioned the fan, the friend he ran into this week. And I'm curious, like, how many phone calls your sales staff are getting? I know they can't answer all the questions right now, but... What are you hearing from fans in terms of that desire to get back into IGF? Well, there's a there's a huge desire. Number one, like the amount of season uh, new season tickets we've sold in the last since that announcement has been tremendous, and that's ongoing. Uh, so you know you can call and buy your season tickets and uh, and mini packs right now, and then uh, so it's been a tremendous response. Our fan service team is happy to hear the phones ringing and be back to that. Uh, it's a tough fifteen months for them making outbound calls to our season ticket members rather than the phones, uh, you know, people calling excited uh, to get back. The Bomber store has been extremely busy as well. So, you know, you can buy your season tickets now for the seven games, and uh, it's a great way to start, uh, you know, a season ticket package out, just, you know, three, you know, a few less games and get that experience as a season ticket member with all the benefits to it. So, and what is your top restaurant? I meant to, I wanted to ask you at the beginning of this, what, what's the top patio you're going to? Well, I had mentioned that I like to be at ones that are on the river, like near the water. And so I like the wa- there's promenade I talked about and Chibos and the waterfront. Anything in the exchange I always like, mm-hmm. Wade. But we talked, we had Gary right in and said his favorite patio is really just having lunch or a meal at IGF and either watching a practice or a game. So I'm in for that too. And you I want to like be that. clear. I'm in for the Wallby burger. Six patties, uh, six chicken tenders, six hot dogs, couple buns. You're in for that. Okay. <clears throat> Good. Well, sharing we'll it with sure before the season starts, we... We'll drop one off for you, too, so you can have that in the morning. <laughs> Do you have a favorite patio? That's a great breakfast. Uh, you know what? I, I enjoy uh, Nicolino's and the yes. Confusion Corner, actually, the what they have upstairs oh, there. Very good. Good, good choice call. there. I haven't uh, thought of that one yet. That's excellent. Very intimate. I like the way it's uh, nestled up there, up top on the third floor. Well chosen, uh, Wade. We appreciate you very much, Wade. And I've got a very special friend. I know you know him from San Diego, who's, if the restrictions loosen up just right, is wanting to be here for <clears throat> August 5th. Is that Grey Cup banner going to be part of the pregame ceremonies? Uh, no, it won't. We are going to uh, hold out until we have uh, 100% capacity, full stadium. Uh, we're going to make sure everyone can celebrate that in, in the big way. So I think that's awesome. Uh, okay, we're, we're just going to wait, and we're you know obviously uh, nobody's ever had to raise a banner after a pandemic, so we're going to write the rules for this one. So like it very much, Wade. As always, we appreciate the time and the insight. Take care. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Have a good day, guys. You too. Wade Miller, he's president and CEO of the Winnipeg Football Club. That's Breakfast with the Bombers.
Mackling and McNabb with you. McGarry returns on Monday. And Loren, uh, we spoke to Corey Callahan earlier. He is outside the Shoppers Drug Mart, River and Osborne. Lots of conversation, lots of questions coming through at 780-6868 about Pfizer, about Moderna, and mixing those two vaccines. I know it's something that people are asking about and want to know a little bit more about part of the discussion this morning as we make our way through the day here on CJOB. Yeah, and that's because, you know, we've been hearing about the possible slowdown in the Pfizer supply. And so there's been this uh, encouragement from the province that if you have a July booking and you're worried about the possibility that 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 supply might not be there, you switch over to Moderna. And so we've been asking about that switch. Have you made that switch? A lot of our listeners, several have texted in to say they called and said, I'd like to give up my appointment so that a teenager can have my Pfizer, I'll take the Moderna. And then in the end, they got that Moderna appointment much sooner than say their July 8th or 10th or 15th date. But in the meantime, we have hundreds of people lining up outside for a pop-up clinic where Pfizer doses are available. So we're working to get some answers from the province in terms of whether there are are any plans to maybe hold back some of those Pfizer doses or is the goal right now just no matter what you pick just get that vaccine as soon as possible yeah as of eleven forty-five this morning my boys become eligible for their second shot they had their first shot may 29th and jackie and i have an appointment booked for july 9th in selkirk well if that's a pfizer vaccine guaranteed i'm going to be making a move to see if i can appropriate those doses to my kids because the fine folks at Exchange District Pharmacy reached out to me yesterday saying they will be having a pop-up clinic and if you got your first shot of AstraZeneca there expect to be hearing from them Deb and Ryan Chan over at uh, Exchange District Pharmacy booked uh, Jackie and I an appointment for this Friday. Friday was important in my mind because I know some people have been feeling some side effects and uh, it's not really a good idea I don't think for me to be feeling uh, less than uh, perfect on Monday through Friday. So I'll sacrifice a a Saturday feeling uh, lousy if I have to in order to get that second dose. So we want to hear from you, 780-6868, your thoughts, your feelings, the moves you're making, and also your favorite outdoor patios and favorite outdoor places to eat. Gaffer's Patio overlooking the St. Andrew's Lock and Dam from Brett in Selkirk. Keep those suggestions coming. The best text of the day receives a Manitoba Turkey Producers prize pack. But we start this half hour with something I'm thrilled to be a part of, Loren. This Thursday, we are going to be holding the second of our Health Report 2.0 events for St. Boniface Hospital Foundation. It's an online event which features conversations with some of the leading health professionals in our community. And this week's guest joins us now on The Start. So the lengthy list of credentials here, we always want to point out for her, She's past president of the Canadian Medical Association and president-elect of the Federation of Medical Women of Canada and, of course, a surgeon here in Winnipeg. And we want to say good morning to Dr. Gigi Osler. How are you doing? Good morning, you too. I'm pretty good. We have been following you a lot on social media, and that's led to many of our interviews, including this one today. But because I saw you posted on social media, I just wanted to offer our condolences on the passing of your uncle. Oh, you know, thank you. It's, you know, um, been a hard time. And I'll I'll share with everybody that he passed last Friday at St. Boniface Hospital. And um, I spoke to my aunt and my cousin, and they had nothing but praise for the staff at the hospital who they knew were 
working hard and stretched thin, but everyone that they came into contact with showed nothing but love and compassion and respect. So I, I just want everybody, you know, if you go into hospital, know how how hard the healthcare workers are working, but they are still giving it their all and still looking after patients uh, with a lot of love and compassion and respect. Dr. Osler, after the, uh, over the past year, you've released dozens of video stories documenting the second wave of COVID-19 as it unfolded. And now we're in this third wave, often raw and emotional takes from those on the front, front lines. The clips of nurses, therapists and others really showed the toll of the pandemic and, and the toll that, that it took on our healthcare workers as they struggled to keep up. Why did you see that as an important step to take? It was early December, and we were just heading into the second wave, and the, the hospitals and the intensive care units were really feeling uh, that surge. Now, in retrospect, wasn't anything like what we've just come through and are still experiencing with the third wave, but there was real concern about the holidays, the Christmas holidays, the New Year's break. Were people going to continue to follow public health recommendations and not get together and what would happen if people were going to start to get together. So I was at the hospital one day talking to uh, a colleague of mine, a nurse manager, and she said, you know, wouldn't it be nice if the public could hear from healthcare workers directly to hear how hard they're working, to hear from us about how we hope people stay home and, and follow public health advice. And it was from that conversation uh, we took it to the hospital. The hospital said, yes, let's do it. And this campaign called Real Stories from Healthcare Workers came out over the holidays. And we heard from healthcare workers in the hospital real stories and, and a lot of emotion uh, about what they were seeing and what their patients were experiencing and, and some real heartfelt pleas for folks to follow public health advice and stay home over the holidays. You know, one of the most compelling interviews that I think we've done in the last year was with a nurse at Grace Hospital, and we were able to speak with her and, and her uh, superior because it was after the second wave and we hadn't yet seen that third wave. And so they were opening up about their experiences and they talked about just the challenge of watching someone die when the loved one can't be there and holding the hand of a stranger to make sure they don't pass alone and, and breaking into their own tears as all these things were going on and the stress they were feeling. And one of the comments she made, Dr. Osler, was she wished she could wear a GoPro. You know, if there wasn't those privacy concerns, mm-hmm. she wished Manitobans could see exactly what she was seeing day after day because she really felt if they could see it, that it might affect behaviors. And so those behind-the-scenes looks, it's personal to everybody. It's a privacy issue, but we need to, I think we do need to hear it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we saw a little bit about it with the second wave and a bit of the third wave when reporters were allowed into the hospitals. But you're right, you do have to be so careful because there is a lot going on behind the scenes and, Lives are at stake and lives are being lost and there's a lot of emotions. So our hope was even just hearing from healthcare workers. And we did it, you know, people were so gracious they would do, take a minute, 30 seconds from their break, even though they were working so hard, um, just to share their perspectives and their stories. And uh, we really were so privileged to be able to talk to them. 
the power of social media, the power of technology, that miniaturized technology. Loren mentioned, you know, maybe being able to wear a GoPro so that you get people see behind the scenes. And that obviously has been effective in so many aspects of exploring the world these days. But with regard to social media and, and the power to reach thousands of people with these videos, Dr. Osler, what else do you see as the future of medicine technology, social media, you know, and the advances in, in uh, extended uh, health care with regard to remote health care and telemedicine, as we've been calling it for such a long time. Mm-hmm. And you've touched on something that I'm hearing more and more of about, you know, if there could be one silver lining from the pandemic, perhaps let it be more virtual care, which is more expansive than telemedicine. Can we continue to look after patients, connect with patients via remote means? And whether that's video visits or telephone visits or remote monitoring, I think that really can be a positive benefit from this pandemic as we move out of it. Let's not lose that, but let's figure out how we can incorporate it and integrate it into our public health care system so that it benefits everybody. Uh, and you have to be careful because not everybody has a smartphone, a smartphone and not everybody knows how to use Zoom. Uh, but there really is a potential there to help bridge some gaps, you know, especially for patients who might live in remote or northern communities, you know, to be able to save them the trip down into Winnipeg would be, I think, uh, a real bonus and benefit moving forward. Yeah, the immediacy of so many things, the ability to reduce travel, the risks involved in that. Uh, the list is really endless. And so, like you say, this could be the silver lining to to this pandemic. Uh, Dr. Osler, thanks so much. I look forward to our time on Thursday with the uh, Health Report 2.0. You're always so wonderful and giving of your time and your, your insight. So we appreciate this today and we'll, we'll see you in a couple days. Talk to you on Thursday. Thanks so much. You betcha, Dr. Gigi Osler. Follow her on Instagram and Twitter. And then join us at noon Thursday for more discussion like the one we had this morning. A little more extensive. It's the Health Report 2.0. Go to St. B. Uh, St. Boniface Hospital Foundation. It's stbhf.ca to register to attend the Health Report 2.0. We're talking about patios, our favorite places to eat outdoors. Some terrific texts. Elaine says, my favorite patio is at 529 Wellington. It is so calming. There's trees, flowers, and birds, and it's right on the river. And the bonus, of of course, is the food. They make the best burger in town. And, of course, I want to acknowledge all the texts about the riverboats. Some great memories there. But we have a couple of uh, texts we want to read. One is our runner-up. One is our winner. Well, Ainsley's our runner-up today, and I have to admit, I don't know this restaurant, so I'm going to have to look it up and give it a shot. Ainsley says, my favorite patio and restaurant is an amazing, best-kept secret restaurant in the city, Vera's or Vera's Pizza, it might be. I, too, love the sounds of the city, and this jam in South Osborne is worth a try. All charm, wonderful food, and great staff. And that came just after I said that I don't mind a patio that has me sort of out on the streets or people watching or hearing the the sounds of the city as opposed to just the sights, because I like the activity, and I'm looking forward to seeing some more activity as, as as more Manitobans get vaccinated, Greg. Oh, some of the best patios I've been on, say, in New York or Chicago are sort of shoehorned onto the street, right? They just, they take up maybe eight feet wide and are 
are the front of the of the restaurant and maybe they have three, four, five, six tables at most, but they're an exciting way to, as you say, people watching to be part of the action. But our winner today painted such an incredible picture, went to such great detail uh, that a lot of us, I think, could have imagined could imagine doing exactly this. Gary says the best place to eat outdoors in summer in Winnipeg is in the stands during a blue bomber practice. Nothing is better than grabbing a fast food snack or bringing your own lunch, sitting down under a hot July or August sun, watching the blue and gold go through their paces. We are very fortunate with the accessibility of the CFL and when things open back up, being able to go back to Investors Group Field to take a bomber practice in while having my lunch is something I really look forward to. So Gary, thank you for that. Yes, I think most of us can relate to just, like I said, it's not just the food, it's not just the drink, it's the sights, the sounds, the smells. I hear them. So Gary, congratulations. I'm a getting it. Jeff Forche spinning the tunes this morning, keeping us mostly on track. Always doing a great job in master control. Greg Mackling, Loren McNabb with you. A vacationing Brett McGarry. I say good morning to you, Brett. I don't know if you're listening, but I think there's a chance that he is. Loren, uh, we're in the home stretch here. Kathy Kennedy setting in for Jeff Courier this morning. And, uh, Lots of uh, conversation today about COVID-19 vaccinations, uh, Pfizer, Moderna, uh, lineups at Shoppers Drug Mart. We'll be keeping an eye on that and and what happens with Pfizer supplies over the next several days here. Yeah, we're going to watch for that. And also another announcement that just came in just now that we're going to be discussing throughout the day is the Manitoba government just announcing that it's going to put a new diamond interchange at the intersection of the Perburner Highway and Highway 3, which would be Oak Bluff, I believe, if I'm getting that location correct. So we know that they looked at a South Perimeter Highway design study last year. They talked about different changes that would come over the next few years and and eventually leading towards a six-lane divided freeway, at least on the South Perimeter. We're still working on the North Perimeter, but the announcement right now is just this new interchange at Highway 3 and the Perimeter, which was part of the plan uh, initially talked about several months ago, Greg. Yeah, they'd put that traffic circle in, I think, as a, as a standby measure uh, where two and three converged uh, just south and a little bit west of Oak Bluff. Uh, why don't we start and this half hour and, and finish out the show here uh, as we head towards 10 o'clock. The top story of the day in sports, it's a story that has the person in the center of it hoping that it becomes a non-story sooner than later. What's up, people? I'm Carl Massive. I'm at my house here in Westchester, Pennsylvania. just want to take a quick moment to say that I'm gay. I've been meaning to do this for a while now, but I finally feel comfortable enough to get it off my chest. Um, I really have the best life. I got the best family, friends, and job a guy could ask for. Um, I'm a pretty private person, so I hope you guys know that I'm really not doing this for attention. Um, I just think that representation and visibility are so important. Um, I actually hope that like one day videos like this and the whole coming out process are just not necessary. Um, but until then, you know, I'm going to do my best and do my part to cultivate a culture that's accepting, that's compassionate. And I'm going to start by donating $100,000 to the Trevor Project. They're an incredible organization. They're the number one suicide prevention service for LGBTQ youth in America. And they're truly doing incredible things. And I'm very excited to be a part of it to help in any way that I can. And I'm really pumped to see what the future holds. Uh, That's all I have for you guys. I hope you have a great day. Work hard.
And that was audio from Carl Nassib's uh, Instagram account posted yesterday saying that he's gay, becoming the first NFL gay active player. Several players have come out following their career. Nassib is a defensive end for the Las Vegas Raiders announcing, and you heard that, that he's donating $100,000 to the Trevor Project, Loren. Tremendous donation on his behalf. And I, I really did love the statement that he hopes that this becomes sort of a non-story in, in the days and weeks and months ahead. But, you know, here we are. It is a story because of the fact that no openly gay player has ever appeared in an NFL regular season game. And that's where we're going to turn our discussion this morning. Doug Brown is a Canadian Football Hall of Famer. And he's, of course, an analyst right here on Blue Bomber Football on CJOB. Doug played in the CFL and the NFL. Good morning, Doug. Good morning. How are you guys? We're well, and I and I, I love talking about this in Pride Month. But I also, you know, one of my, one of my reactions when Greg sent the story to me yesterday was, "What? We we haven't had a active NFL player openly gay before." I mean, it feels like this is a hurdle that so should have been crossed before. So, what do you say about that in terms of just what the challenges might be within football, within sport, for more people to to come out and and be open? Yeah, I think it's long overdue. It's funny, uh, my very first year in the National Football League was 1997, and there was actually a player on my team uh, with the Buffalo Bills. His name was Ezra Tualo, and uh, he was playing at that time. Um, he was gay, obviously. Uh, that was his uh, um, That was his, his lifestyle um, choice, but he was not openly gay. And uh, he didn't come out till afterwards, uh, much afterwards. I think he came out maybe on Oprah or something like that. And, uh, you know, you were like that you understood um, being in the NFL climate. You were just like, well, you know, this is a guy that played in, in, in the NFL environment and understood that that environment is uh, it's a hard place to be different. Um, you know, uh, it shouldn't matter. Uh, sexual, uh, you know, uh, your orientation shouldn't matter in the slightest in the national football league. But uh, the reason it's taken this long is, is because, and it's not just in this uh, particular instance, I think it's uh, if you've been different in any way, you know, the national football league is not a place uh, has not been the most inclusive place ever. So a tremendously uh, courageous uh, time for, for Carl, and brave, right, to come out and, and be that first active player on an active roster on a football team. And, uh, you know, for me to say anything, obviously I haven't been in the National Football League for 20 years. Um, however, uh, it comes down to, you know, you look at America, do you think it is a more inclusive and uh, uh, welcoming place than it was 20 years ago? Maybe not. And uh, I don't know if Nash if necessarily the National Football League goes hand-in-hand hand with that or, or, or not. But, um, you know, you, you think, I, I, would, I would hope his teammates would be very welcoming and uh, no big deal about it, which, which it isn't. But uh, I'm just concerned that, you know, in a game or in the heat of a moment, uh, I, I would be worried that uh, a line is going to get crossed in terms of how people are treating him.
Doug, is that part of it? Do you think that's why it's taken so long? Is just, I mean, gaining a competitive competitive advantage is so difficult in the first place. We talk about uh, locker room talk. We talk about build billboard material, not wanting to give the other team anything that can because football, any sport, is so psychological. It's so minorly physical for as physical that it is. It's so psychological. So is that part? And has that been part of the concern about talking too much about who you really are? Is that why athletes are are quiet on that front in the first place? Give us some insight there. Well, I mean, <laughs> the National Football League, if you want to talk about macho, toxic, masculine culture, right? I mean, that that's a locker room. Uh, that's uh, a lot of locker rooms uh, I, I've been in uh, over the years. And, and obviously, uh, you would think and hope that you know, as, as people evolve and you're, you're, uh, um, you, you get more comfortable with things and more welcoming and more inclusive, you would hope that these things change. But like I say, that's, uh, that's a real tough place. Like I say, to, uh, to be different in any way, shape or form and, and to have that, uh, made public, you know, that's a very brave step by him. And like I say, you just hope the national football league and the players, have taken those steps that this shouldn't matter anymore. And it's, it's not a big deal. I'm just, I'm concerned. Uh, I would be concerned for Carl just, uh, you know, uh, the way he might be treated. I mean, they're going to have to be, I would say hypervigilant to this, but it's just the most uh, difficult environment. I think, um, like I said, it's one of the last, not much changes in, uh, in that kind of uh, environment, and uh, like I say, it shouldn't matter. I, I hope it doesn't affect them. I hope nothing uh, comes of it and uh, everything is the same. But, you know, I have my suspicions that National Football League, they still have a ways to go because that's been the reason why no one's been open before. Obviously, there are players that uh, identify that way and have that sexual orientation, but they just – they were like, wow, this is going to – they felt like this could potentially cost them their career or their job, and that's why they've never spoken up about it. Yeah, and you know what I think now then, Doug, com- comes the time. It's it's not up to Carl now to make a case for anything. He's 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 come out. He said that representation and visibility are important. He hoped one day videos like this aren't part of the process, but he wants to create this culture that's accepting and compassionate, and I think now's the time then – his fellow teammates, players, the league, coaches, all the rest. It's it's not about what he has to say now. It's about showing that allyship and saying, "Hey, man, whatever. Yeah. Let's let's move forward. This is not this is this is great." A non-factor, and let's, right? Right. Yeah. And yeah, do you think you you'll hope, see like, that? Like say, you hope you hope the maturity and the perspective is there. I just have my doubts. You know, I just I, I see. I don't know. It was such, like I say, it's it's that kind of workplace that is just not inclusive and welcoming to change or to things that are different. Um, but, you know, who knows? Uh, maybe this is, uh, you know, maybe he is uh, spearheading, uh, you know, an openness in the National Football League that, uh, you know, this will no longer be anything that anyone pays any attention to because it, it doesn't impact the game in any way, shape or form. So it really shouldn't matter. I'm just concerned um, whether it will or not in terms of, you know, his interactions and, and how players and or coaches may, uh, may, uh, may treat him.
I know I played football with a guy who eventually went on to go and play major college U.S. football and uh, had got a hard time just for being a Canadian. And he was half yeah. American. His dad was American. His mom was Canadian. And I know you experienced that just based on oh your passport. God. Oh, without question. Yeah, I used to walk by, you know, the offensive line meeting room and I'd had a successful day doing one-on-ones and, and I would hear the coach say, you just got beat by a Canadian. You know, like any little, it's, 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 uh, this was 20 years ago. So I don't want to say that this is the way things are now, but I mean, there were, it was, it was a, not an inclusive welcoming place for anyone different. Um, there was segregation. There was, you know, it's, uh, America. I mean, you, you look what's happened in the last year, just politically, and uh, it's like you said, it, it's not the most welcoming, inclusive place at the at the best of times, and uh, an NFL locker room, and that's kind of a microcosm of uh, you know a lot of the problems that that, that society has right now. So, it is. Uh, it, it's going to be. I hope I'm so wrong about this, but it, it could be. Uh, you know, a difficult situation for him. But like I say, maturity, um, awareness, uh, openness, being able to talk about this. And uh, you just hope uh, that the players have the right guidance and understand that this is, you know, nothing to do with, uh, you know, this shouldn't matter when it comes to your teammates and it comes to football. This is uh, something he shouldn't even have felt he needed to do. But he, he does because of how, um, how limited really that culture is right now yeah, and you in the think, National Football League. And you think about a team environment and connecting with players and, and being one of the guys, it, it, it means sharing a lot about yourself and being open and, and being together outside and, and off the field, right, Doug? And so uh, when you have to hide a big part of who you are, that's got to affect your ability to connect with, with your teammates on a different level. Yeah, I mean, Ezra Twalo, the, the player I played with in, in 1997 in Buffalo that, that ended up coming out as, as gay after the fact, I mean, he wrote a book about it, about how alone he was and how scared he was and how concerned he was about what would happen to him if people found out. So obviously this is 20 years later and you hope the culture has evolved, but you, you still you can't help but have your doubts, unfortunately, because... Uh, uh, the NFL is, uh, like I said, it's a it's a pretty pretty difficult, pretty toxic, pretty pretty uh, pretty archaic environment. That is for sure. Doug, we appreciate you being willing to share your experience and your insight with us, and uh, appreciate you immensely. Thanks, friend. Thanks for having me on, guys. Talk to you soon. Doug Brown, of course, analyst here on 680 CJOB on Blue Bomber Football, starting August fifth. 44 days from now, Doug's experience in the National Football League and Canadian Football League is something we draw on whenever we can. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.